0: Hey, everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Well, the one thing about these guys is they always make me sound better than I am. Thank you guys so much. And um, I'm going to try not to cry. And it's not just myself that has stood behind Hunter and Liz. It's my husband, Russ, and my kids. We love them. And we are proud, not only of them, but of you guys for what you're doing. And, you know, worship, Kwame, was wonderful. And that happened because you and your team did the work to make it happen. And I just had this vision, and I'm, I'm going to start out with this, and I'm I'm going to try really hard to be quick in my message to you guys. But um, I, th- I think it was during your second song, I just uh, was reminded of the scripture in my devotion this morning, and it was from Psalms 23, and it said, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And so, you know... I saw the Lord setting this table right here in the presence of our enemies. And you know what the deal is? Our enemies are still here. The things that we are facing are still here. And you know what? God said, but I want you to come to this table and I want you to feed on the fullness that I put here. And that's what we did in worship this morning. We ate that fullness. And then we're going to find out that our cups, because we ate here, are going to be overflowing. And he wants to give us hearts that are brimming over with his joy. And, you know, I I loved all the things that were going on, all the words. And here's the last part of this vision. As I closed my eyes, I had this thought that when Satan fell from heaven, he lost any right to intimacy with the Lord. He can never go back to that. He can never have what we had this morning. And so I just felt like I went over and I pulled the chair out. And I said, you know what, Satan? I want you to sit here. And I want you to watch me worship. Yes. And that's what happened in worship. If, if I'm going to worship and I'm going to honor my Lord, you're going to watch. You're going to watch. So... I, I really struggled with my message. Usually I'm quick, you know, and, and, uh, and sometimes they're right and sometimes they aren't. But, but um, as it came together, this is actually a message that began to form in me years ago. And, and the Lord just brought it up to my mind again because I have to brag on you. Your church is the best church I have ever seen to make disciples. That is a legacy you have. You're imparting it. Your kids are right here. They're going to go and do what they're seeing you do. And and so it's just one of my proudest moments with you guys is how you make disciples. And so it's, it's called Dream. I love dreaming. I'm, I'm a big dreamer. Um, I'm a big dreamer and <laughs> I have in my studio in my home I have dream signs all over and I can be lost in dreams and and it's 450 miles and nothing is the same and it's we're talking to, we're going to talk about Paul's second missionary journey because I think it applies to you guys and what's going on so you know my first dream in life was to be a cowgirl I grew up in Texas I had horses, um, I had goats, I had cows. That was my dream. I I loved all of that. And it was quickly followed by, no, I want to become an artist. And right on the heels of that, I wanted to become an international, not just local, I wanted to become an international ballet dancer. Now, now... (laughs) Now... But I'm going to just talk to you about how our journeys, our 450 miles like Paul, how they lead us to different places. And so, um, you know, I, I, again, I'm a dreamer, you're a dreamer. That was here this morning in worship. Yes. I loved it. And so sometimes we talk about our dreams and their little literal dreams, you know, the stories in our minds. Sometimes it is the pizza we ate or... Other things that we ate (laughs) that give us those dreams. But I want to talk to us about kingdom dreams today. And, um, you know, we all dream differently. We have different dreams for different seasons. And that's all good. You know, when my kids were little... um, we were always involved in the church. My husband was on staff. And when he went off, I came on staff. And, you know, our kids all walked through those seasons with us. But um, I believe that in new seasons, you know, at the end of the year. And, and you know, I, I think there's been a stifling of our dreams because of COVID. You know, that, that is one thing the enemy has robbed people of. is just, I don't, I don't know if I can dream. Or financially, things got hurt. I don't know if I can dream those dreams anymore. So we're starting over in a sense. I feel like we're emerging. And some of us will celebrate the dreams that we've had this past year. Some of us will mourn dreams that have been lost. Some of us will resolve to dream new dreams. And some of us will resolve to never dream again. And God wants to speak to us about that today. And so we're going to be talking from Acts 16. And I'm not going to read all of it just because of time. But I don't know if it goes up or not. or But you have it on your phone. I, I just found all that out. You guys are amazing. I mean, this culture right here is so creative that I just want to sit in it and just learn from you guys. But... um we're going to talk about personal dreams that God has uniquely placed inside each and every one of us and we're going to talk about kingdom dreams and we're going to talk about how Paul did this so these are dreams of redemption there's dreams of seeing the poor assisted and cared for and fed and we're you know we're going to see dreams of God to make all things new and so we're just you know so hang in there with With uh, you, if you can, you can put up. Is it up? Oh, I thought. What am I not seeing? (laughs) I thought you were seeing in the spirit. Like, wow, you scared me. Anyway, so if you know, this is a this is a dream where Paul sets off with Timothy and Silas, and they're going to go to all these places that. What we've been told to do is go into all the nations and make disciples, right? That's what your church exists for, encountering Jesus in all the nations. That was, that was what Paul said, I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. That's what God told him to go and do. So this is a very significant story because it's the first time the gospel made its entrance into Europe. And why is that even important? And it's important because that's why you and I are sitting here right? Up until this time, um, you know, the dreams or the gospel was only presented to the Jewish people. And then God said, no, you have to take it to all nations. Everybody gets to hear the good news. And so, you know, he stood with his disciples and before ascending back into heaven. And he said, all authority has been given to me from heaven on heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That was the charge. That was the last thing they were told to do. And again, God has primarily, up until this point, worked his redemption purposes through the Jewish nation. And, you know, he made a promise to Abraham. He said, I will make you great through all the nations of the earth. They will be blessed. And so Paul gets swept up in this kingdom vision dream. And he goes on this journey, and he picks up this guy named Timothy. He'd heard good things about him. Timothy's mother was Jewish. His father was Greek. There were a few things they had to get in order. You can read, <laughs> you can read about that before he took him on the journey. But um, anyway, he signs on. Timothy signs on to this great journey. And um, so they, they start to go, and, and can you put up that map for me well, and we'll just look at that real quickly. Um, ju- I just want you to know this map. He started in Antioch and he walked 450 miles and then he gets to a place called Troas and he stands at the sea and he looks at the sea and he goes, Where am I supposed to go? Because he had stopped in many places and the Holy Spirit told him, Don't go here. Don't go here. This isn't where I wanted you to be. So he went on to another place. Don't go in here. Finally, he gets to to Troas. And um, the Lord, there's this guy. We did this play one time when I was first saved. And I was the man who said, come to Macedonia. So, so I've loved that. It's just my whole life. That was my big moment. Right? So, So anyway. That's what happened. He got to Troas. He's standing there. He's looking at the sea and come to Macedonia. That's where he was supposed to go. That led on into Rome. And voila, our ancestors came over here. And we're sitting in this church because of this mandate that Paul took up. All right? So it's a pretty important deal what happened. And so um, he, let's see. I'm skipping around here. So, I think the fact that we, in in Acts 16, when you're reading these verses, I think sometimes we read these verses and we think, oh, man, like, bam, bam, bam. And then the gospel was in Europe. And we don't read those 450 miles. We don't read all the years in our life where, where we've gone here like I went from wanting to be a cowgirl and I was for a long time to an artist which meh, and a ballet dancer never <laughs> but I went all of those places and, and end up here so sometimes I think we read scripture and we don't realize the disillusionment or the disappointments or the time God says no don't go here, yeah. we don't see all of that built in to our journeys. And so there were a couple principles that I took out of this story. Um, first of all is just obedience step by step even when it seems like it's not taking us anywhere. Right? So I get up in the morning, I do my devotion whether I feel like it or not. Okay? It Doesn't feel like I'm getting great things out of it but I am. All right. Later, it's going to build something into me. I think a lot of times we want to receive this calling from God. We want this dream from God. We want him to tell us exactly what he wants us to do. Yes. Rarely does he do that. <laughs> you're going to find out you're going to walk 450 miles. And all of a sudden, you're going to be looking at the ocean and you go, oh, that's where I'm supposed Macedonia. You can all practice that and do that in your own life, right? So, um, and I think sometimes, and this is something that your pastors and your leaders have taught me over and over again, is enjoy the journey. Enjoy our journey. We get impatient. We get bummed. We think we're missing it. Um, We get angry at people who get in our way. Of our journey. We get offended by them. Like, uh, wait a minute. I I mean, I'm supposed to preach, but you aren't asking. Oops. I have a word, but you never asked me to give it. Whatever that is, right? So we want to enjoy this. When we follow God, we're going to go on a wild goose chase. I promise you. I'm old enough to tell you that. I've been in some places I should have never been. And I don't mean bad places. I mean, I've been in a palace. I've had lunch with ambassadors. I went to a dinner with the people who wrote the Constitution of the Philippines, the new one. I didn't even know they had one. And here I am. You know, I am I am blonde. Through and through. And I'm sitting at this table, and they're talking about all these things, and I'm overhearing all these constitutional things and later I said who are they (laughs) and they said oh they just are rewriting the the new constitution of the Philippines why was I there (laughs) I mean honestly there was no reason for me to be in that room but God put me there I love that I love that about my journey is that I've just gone all over I ended up sitting next to the prime minister of Lithuania I was invited to a luncheon and they said oh there's no more space so your guest will have to not come I was the guest ah, okay and then they go oh no 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 we have a spot for her so they took me in they sat me down I didn't know who he was and he began to talk to me and ask me what I thought about this city I was in and I'm like wow and later I found out he was the Prime Minister <laughs> So you see, it's so fun to be me. It's like, but what I'm saying is that's all part of our journey. There's no reason, there's no reason I should have been in those places except for God. And so that's, just, that's what's available to you as well. And so sometimes the dream seems to go completely off course. Like, you know, I mean, come on, Paul was shipwrecked. That didn't, that wasn't in the plan, right? Um, Sometimes a dream appears to completely die, like Abraham. He was promised a son for decades. He waited. Then he gets a son, and what does God say? Give it back. Surrender it back. Man, it's hard when God tells you to surrender back your dream. That's a tough one. But he is going to probably ask. Give it up. Surrender it. All to Jesus. All the praise. It's all mine. Right? And sometimes when we feel like we're deviating from the path, we're actually walking on the path he wants us to be on. And so we just have to be present with him in all of this. We have to take a deep breath. We have to enjoy the journey. And I think we get so much more out of it. The third thing I felt out of this scripture was... um, Don't travel alone, all right? It is good to travel with other people. It is good to be in community. That's what you're doing. Easter's coming. Get in the park. Hand out food, right? Do it together. And there's a safety in that. I travel, um, you know, and we were just talking about this, this when I was here. You know, sometimes I fly alone, but I am never alone when I hit foreign soil. Now, I do this because, um, you know, I don't want to do anything wrong, so I have people watching me, so I don't do anything wrong. And and that's a, that's a very good thing. And so um, we, we don't want to get caught up where we shouldn't be caught up. And we were designed to do life in community. We were made to do life in community. And you know what? I'm... I'm more of an introvert than I am an extrovert in many ways. I'm not talking about that. I, I, have, I don't get recharged with people. I get recharged alone. But I can be with people. So I think our personalities God takes into account, but we're called to do life in community. Yes, that's, right. that's all. So, um, and you know what? If you don't have a dream, if you're sitting there and you go, I don't know what God's called me to do. Or I think I know. Then you know what you do? You serve someone else's dream. All right? So in, you know Pastor Dale. They've been here. They say hi to you, by the way. And he started going to the Philippines. And I think he'd been going three or four years. And all of a sudden, he invited me to go. Five years. Five years I went to the Philippines with him. And I carried his bag right? That's. I didn't speak. I didn't, I mean, I prayed for people, but I, I had no front and center situation with him. So I remember we had a, this big um, conference at a conference center. It was called Kalariah. And I, I, I got a speaking part. <laughs> it was this big, but I got a speaking part. And so I was in my room and we had a team from Japan. And so I, I was talking to one of the girls from Japan and I plugged in my curling iron and they have a different electrical system than we do. And uh, so I put it on my hair and it caught on fire. And my daughter was actually with me and she's like freaking out laughing. And I I'm, I'm failed to see the humor in, in my hair falling out. And it's like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And then you could hear people walk by the room going, what is that smell? I don't know if you have ever smelled burnt hair, but it is horrible. So it's time to go speak. So I'm, like, doing this and trying to do this, whatever. And so we're all walking, and then I'm, I'm walking along the sidewalk, and here comes a... One of the workers at the place with a machete, and he's chasing a cobra. And I'm like, like, I'm not sure about all this. You know? So I go in, and I can still hear people going, what is that smell? But I got up, and I spoke. And from that point on, you know, I started getting invited to speak my dream began to get set in motion. God's dream. I was, at, I was at Troas, and God said, come on, come to Philippines. This is what I have for you. That was never in my dream. Never on my radar. And it said in me, now we love the poor, we fed the poor, but it set a focus to it for us. And so, you know what? I served the dreams of my pastor and I still do. So if you don't know what you're called to do. Serve the dream of this church. If this is your church. And in doing that. God's going to speak to you. Your dream. And so. Um, you know. So. Let God initiate. Alright. Because what God initiate initiates. He will permeate. If you initiate it. You are going to have to strive to sustain it. Yeah. So you know what? With hope Sinners, it was, it was God's initiation. I don't know how to feed 2,000 kids. I, do, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. Financially, I don't know how to do that. But God does because he initiated it. Yeah. Or Cuba. I mean, we haven't been able to send money since I don't know when. And yet they're feeding kids every week. God's sustaining that because it was his dream. Right. And so we want his dream. And so we want to set sail to Macedonia, which is what Paul did. And, and set sail is actually a nautical term. And when they say set sail, it means the wind is at your back. All right? So we want the wind at our back. Now I'm going to tell you something. The wind isn't always going to be at our back. All right, there's going to be things that come towards us, right? So let's face it. They already had to walk 450 miles. Then they get to Philippi. They haven't been there but about a week, and they get thrown into jail. I'm like, wow, that's like burning your hair off or (laughs) seeing a cobra, you know. It's like, that didn't sound like a lot of fun. But I pray the wind will be at your back. Set sail. You have to set sail. And so, and have our dreams been saturated by the voice of God? Have we been dreaming in God's will and for his glory? Now, you know, we can have personal dreams. I mean, you know, I dream for alpacas and all kinds of stuff. We have five acres on our, we have a farm, uh, orchard really, but I call it the farm. And so I have dreams of all, like Dr. Doolittle, is that who? I was going to say Dr. Seuss, and was like, oh, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Doolittle. I mean, I just want animals everywhere. They bring me joy. So I dream about that, and that's okay. Yeah. All right? It's okay to have those kinds of dreams. But what I'm saying is, we want to have God initiated dreams. Yeah. And I also think that um, when you look at your dreams, you're going to be able to go back to a Genesis point that says, that that retreat, for me, was a Genesis point where God said, this is what I want you to do, all right? And so, Paul, Silas, Timothy, they step-by-step they step step followed. They obeyed God. They had to wander a little bit, but they did it in community, right? So we're wandering a little bit, but we're doing it in community. And um, then they get to Troas. Paul has a dream. Dreams are awesome. Some are good. Some aren't as good, but... <laughs> but it took them on where they needed to go and what happened then is they met this woman named Lydia and you know Lydia was the woman who sold the purple cloth and she said hey i'm if if my i'm saved he she got saved as a result of Paul her household got saved and then it ignited the nations after that the jailer his family got saved so An interesting thing, when Paul writes his final letter to Timothy, he says, The things you've heard me teach, they've been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Therefore, teach these same truths to faithful men and women who will be able to teach them also. I saw kids sitting down here on their knees, worshiping God, dancing over here. Teach them, and they will be faithful with what you're teaching, and they're going to take it to other men and women. That's discipling. That's taking it to the nations. So, and you know what? That's a dream I wanna be a part of. I wanna be a part of what God is doing. And so the gospel goes from Greece throughout all of Europe. It comes to my descendants and your descendants, and here we are. So, it's just taken root in my heart in a deep way for me because I think the whole wandering thing um, makes a whole lot of sense in my life because I'm a wanderer by nature. I'm just, you know, you've already heard a few of my stories. That's how I live. I'm just a wanderer. And here's the way I got into the ministry. (laughs) It was quite a normal way, right? First, I dropped out of nursing school my senior year. Wow, that's what my family said. Wow. <laughs> like, yikes. But there were so many circumstances surrounding that. And I dropped out and I met the Lord. And I have no regrets about that. I only regret that my family invested in that and I didn't finish it. But nonetheless, that's what I did. And um, <laughs> so, and then right after that, um, there was it was a saturday night it was in the jesus movement and there was a saturday night meeting in a in a methodist church and there were literally a couple thousand people that would go and mostly like you guys young young people and so there was a guy that i was trying i really wanted him to ask me out and his sister was there and so i said i'll go pick your sister up hoping that would like you know, motivate him. But um, it didn't. (laughs) It didn't work. But I went and I picked up his sister and I walked in that place and the presence of God was so heavy and thick, my heart leapt out of my chest and I thought, I I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I knew nothing about Jesus. And I thought, I don't know what this is, but I want it. So I was very curious. I picked up a sister, took her home. The next week, during the week, uh, many things happened that were just odd and weird and difficult. And I thought, I'm going to go back to that place because I don't know what it is. I went back to that place. I met a man named Ken Gullickson who was the pastor. He later went on to start the Vineyard Movement with Ken Gullickson, with um, John Wimber. He led me to the Lord that night. And I, I just can remember... There was nothing behind me that I would ever wanted to go back to. Nothing. I, I mean, it was instant for me. It was, I love this Jesus. Tell me about him. So that started me on my journey. And so um, I got saved. Uh, I went to the meetings. I felt free. And I just knew I had found what I was looking for. I found what I was looking for. So I met my husband there. I met Pastor Dale there. Um, we were all in, I was just gotten out of, I just, well, I was in college. Just, yeah. Dale, Dale was too. Russ was out of college. So anyway, I started going on Friday night. And the thing that I did that I loved the most was I cleaned the church. I loved being in the church. I loved the church. I want to tell you, I love God's church. And I would turn on worship music, and I would clean, and I would just be in his presence. And it made me happy. And then I took care of the nursery, and then blah, blah, blah. And the next thing I know, I'm being ordained as a pastor. That was my 450-mile journey, that one. So do you see that your, your journeys and my journeys, they may have different situations but it was a crazy journey i didn't set out to do this i didn't set out to come to macedonia sometimes we have to walk 450 miles in daily obedience to get where god wants us to be so and you know what that looks like it looks like forgiving each other it looks like loving one another it looks like honoring one another It looks like praying for one another. It looks like reading the word. We can tell you everything we've done, but we can't take the steps for you. That's right. Right? That's yours. That's up to you. And so, and then suddenly, it can seem like overnight, the wind is at our back. And we've walked 450 miles, and we're making disciples. So... Then the last thing I want to bring up is that everything I see in Paul's life was relational. All right? We cannot get through this alone. I don't know how to say that enough times. We might want to because sometimes we're around people we'd rather we weren't around. But, you know, family's family. (laughs) We get them. Yay. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) we do. So... You know, the majority of the New Testament comes to us because Paul had friends. Right? And I, I love, if you ever look in the book of Romans, Romans is arguably the most intellectual book in Scripture. It is the closest thing we get to to systematic theology. And when you read the last chapter of Romans, you know what it is? It's a list of 36 names that Paul thinks you were in my life. You invested. You did this for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So who's in your Romans 16? Who are the people you're going to look back on and go, thank you, because you invested in me. Thank you, because you believed in me. Thank you, thank you. So you know what? We don't, we, we don't do this alone. I think that's my biggest takeaway for us. So we're going to... Um, We're going to finish up here. Yeah, we are. Kwame, would you guys come, please?